there's been some pretty epic fails in human history. Do you guys want to hear some of them? All right, this one right here. Did you know that the Dutch discovered Australia 100 years before the British did, but when they found it, they're on the West Coast in Western Australia, and they thought it was just like this useless desert, and they were like, eh, moving on. They left Australia, and then the Britons, the British found it. That's a bad day, right? That's that's an epic fail. Second one, Russia, get this, Russia sold Alaska, the state, to America for two cents an acre which isn't very much money. If you could buy an acre for two cents, you'd be very happy because they thought it was just like this useless, icy wasteland, but it's not. It's full of oil. Epic fail. There you go. Now, you guys might not be into geography, so here's some other ones a bit easier. Um, (laughs) Before the biggest rock band in the world, in the history of the world, the Beatles, right, before they got famous, um, they got turned down by a record company called Decca Records because they said to them, get this, uh, guitar music's kind of on its way out, we don't really think this is going to work, and so they sent off the Beatles, who then went on to make like bazillions of dollars for EMI who signed them. That's pretty huge. Last one, here it is, Harry Potter. Yeah, did you... <gasps> Harry Potter's on the screen. Did you guys know that 12 different book publishers rejected Harry Potter before finally someone realised they were sitting on an absolute gold mine and so they signed J.K. Rowling's and now like they're bazillionaires because of all the money she made. Now if J.K. Rowling's does a fart, someone will want to publish it. That's how rich these guys are now, right? Imagine the regret, imagine the regret of being the guy who like sold Alaska to America or the person who like just wandered on past Australia and just left it there or been the person who missed Harry Potter or the Beatles when you could have signed them. Like, 10 years later, you'd just be, like, sitting in your lounge room watching daytime television going, ugh, the Beatles, they were right there, and I just let them go. You couldn't live it down. Now, tonight, as we come to the kind of the end of Mark's gospel, this account of Jesus' life, we're getting down to business. Jesus is a, dies on the cross in the passage that we read tonight. And what we're going to see in this passage tonight, I want to suggest is the biggest fail in human history. And that's not an exaggeration. I think this is the biggest fail in human history, some of the stuff you're going to see in this passage. Because here's why. Tonight's passage is full of people who miss who Jesus really is. It's right there under their noses. They're even making jokes about it, and they miss it, and it's tragic. And guys, here's the scary thing. The scary thing is that this room tonight here is full of people who are in danger of making the same mistake, missing who Jesus is. And guys, if you do that, if you miss who Jesus is, you let that slide past you and walk on by, that's a bigger fail than letting Harry Potter or the Beatles walk past. That is the biggest fail you could ever make, to miss who Jesus really is. Now, guys, I don't want that to happen for anyone in this room tonight. I really, truly do not want that to happen for anyone. But my fear is it'll still happen. But I want to pray to God and ask Him for help, that He'd actually open up our eyes tonight as we look at Mark to see who Jesus is. I want to pray that God would open our eyes. So let's pray together now. Please join me. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that tonight You would open our eyes to see Jesus. Father, for many of us, these things are very familiar. We've heard it a hundred times and and I pray, Lord, that you would 
Help us again to see it afresh with clear eyes and feel the weight of knowing who Jesus is. And for many of us, Lord, these things are are distant and, and we really don't know what's going on here in God's Word. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes as well. Please help us to understand who Jesus is. Strike us with that. Don't let us walk away from tonight unchanged by your Word. Amen. All right, now... Before we see the biggest fail in human history, which I promise you is here, I've got to tell you guys a little secret. Do you guys want to hear a secret? That was apathetic. Do you want to hear a secret? Okay. All right. Here's the secret, right? The secret is about what's been going on in Mark up to this point. Because here's what... This guy, Mark, who's writing this account of Jesus' life, there's something that's obvious to us at this point. Here it is. The big question this whole time has been, who is this Jesus guy? And by now, us as the readers know it. We know the secret. Do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is the saviour of the world and he's the king of the world. That's the secret that we as the readers, we already know about, but it's right here in front of us tonight and people are going to miss it. And so you've got to have your eyes open. Here's the first thing I want you guys to see in this passage and it's this. The painful stupidity of missing who Jesus is. Does anyone know what irony is? It's a hard word to define, right? Everyone kind of throws it around like we know what it means, but it's hard to explain. I'll give it a go. Irony is basically when life happens in the exact opposite way that it should have played out. Okay, I'll give you an example. Imagine we're going fat and we're like, ooh, safety concerns. These kids are going to get head injuries in the games. So we give you all little helmets for the game and you strap them onto your head so you'll be nice and safe in the game, no head injuries. And instead... The helmets cut off the circulation to your brains and you all die, right? That would be ironic and tragic if that happened. (laughs) This passage here is full of painful, real irony. Now, we didn't read this section before because we weren't going to read all of it, but verses 16 to 20 talk about these soldiers just before Jesus is going to get put on the cross, the soldiers, and they're beating him. They're beating him to a pulp. They're just laying into him. And as they do that, they're not just beating him with their fists. They're actually mocking him as well. It says that they put a purple robe on him like the robe of a king. And they're pretending to worship him as the king. And what really belongs on Jesus' head is a beautiful crown of gold because he is the king. But they make a crown that looks like that. They make a crown out of sharp sticks and thorns like you'd find on a rose. And they jam it onto his skull till it draws blood. And they bow down and they go, well, hail the king, you're so great. And it's this incredible, ironic situation where they're worshipping, pretending that he's the king when he actually is the king. It's crazy. They're teasing him the way like a cruel person would tease a homeless person who thought they were the president. Oh, it's the president, look at the president. It's just some, you know, pitiful person or whatever. But he actually is the king. The point is, he is the king, and they think that he's not, and so they're worshipping him. Oh, hail the king, but he is the king. Verse 26, they stick a sign up next to Jesus. Check it out. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They think it's all a funny joke, like me wearing a shirt that says, like, world's fittest dad or something like that, right? And it's meant to be a laugh, But in this case, the sign is much more truer than they realise. He actually is the king. 
Look at what people shout at him as he hangs on the cross dying. Look at verse 30. They say, come down, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who crucified him heaped insults on him as well. Can you feel it? How painfully right they actually are and they don't even realise it. They're teasing him. How come you can't save yourself, Jesus? You said you were the king. You said you were the saviour. Why don't you save yourself? Now, why doesn't Jesus at that point call down an army of angels, have them taken down off the cross and make those people eat their words then and there? Why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he save himself from dying? Because he's dying to save us. He wasn't too weak to save himself. We're too weak to save ourselves. He did it to save us. He was doing it to die for them, to save them. Imagine this for a second. And this, is a, this takes a lot of imagination, right? But let me give a drink first. Imagine the Queen of England is coming over for dinner. Now, as part of this, you need to pretend you actually care about the Queen of England because no one really does. But... <laughs> Imagine you did care. So she's coming over for dinner and your mum, she's really excited. She's been cleaning the house all day and you've been helping cook like the yummest food in the world because, hey, it's the queen. Um, You cleaned your room, which is like a miracle. Isn't that amazing? Now, five minutes before the queen's due to arrive, the doorbell rings. Ding dong. And so you go to the door. And then when you get there, you you open the door and what you find isn't the queen you find like this kind of dirty looking kind of homeless person and they're, they're sitting there and they're covered in filth. You can barely recognise their features. They're so dirty. And this person might be a woman. She's babbling. Oh, I need to have a shower and I need to please come inside and have some food. Now, ordinarily, right? Ordinarily, your mum's pretty nice. She'd probably help, help this person out. But the queen's about to come, right? And there's this filthy homeless person on the door. And so she doesn't want the like, dirt all through the house. So your mum, she grabs a broom and like, chases the homeless person away, gets her off the doorstep, right? Five minutes later, the doorbell rings again. Ding dong, and you come to the door. This time, it's not the queen again. She's not there. But you've got like, two like, kind of British bodyguard people like, that I imagine would look after the queen, like the ones with the hats maybe. I don't really know who looks after the queen. But those guys are there. And they're filthy as well. They're covered from head to toe in all this dirt and grime. And, and they go, have you seen the Queen? We, we sent her ahead of us a few minutes ago. We're in this terrible car accident with like a sewerage truck and poo went everywhere. And it was this horrible nightmare. We sent her here to go ahead and have a shower and get ready for dinner. Have you seen her? And I hope you're not dumb, right? You get it, right? Like the Queen arrived and you just chased her off with a broom. That's good. Someone enjoyed my story. That would be awkward, wouldn't it? That's like a pretty big facepalm kind of moment. Now, that's a pretty dumb story, right? But it captures a little bit what we're meant to be feeling here in this passage, except this isn't a dumb story I made up. This is real. The painful stupidity of missing who Jesus really is. Now, that's their mistake back then. But what about us today? Now, 
there's going to be a bunch of people in this room who are Christians, you know and you love Jesus, and you've probably actually given up quite a lot to follow him. Sometimes being a Christian makes life hard for you. Your friends think you're pretty weird, you come to places like this, you miss out on fun stuff like parties and sex when you're not married and whatever else you think is fun that they're doing, you're missing out on that. And and maybe it might be that as a Christian, you look around at some of your friends, you look around at what they're doing and, I don't know, whatever it is for you, you look around at them and they're bragging about how much porn they watch and for you that's the thing that you kind of carry around and feel guilty about for the times you've stuffed up you feel terrible but your friends are just chilled out and relaxed about it and enjoying themselves whatever it is for you that you look on at them and you envy what they've got as a christian life can be hard and you can easily start to wonder is it worth it there's one group of people in the room the other group of people is this You're in the opposite position to that. For a bunch of you, I know you're here, Jesus is just a big joke. He's a swear word, he's a fairy tale. Maybe you're one of the people who looks at the Christians and laughs at them. Or maybe you're not that cruel about it, but the thoughts are still there in your head. You've got mates who are Christians, who you actually like, but you kind of sit back and you look at them and you wonder, man, why do they care about this Jesus stuff so much? Why are people wasting their life on this? Now, no matter which side of that you sit on, whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, here's what I want every single person in the room to get tonight. One day, one of those two groups of people are going to look really stupid. We're going to be painfully wrong. One of us. If it's the Christians, man, it's going to be, it's going to, we, we will have wasted our lives. If Jesus is just some made-up thing, some hoax or something like that, if you're a Christian and that happens and you work that out at the end, you will have wasted your life. But if it's the other group of people, the people who laughed at Jesus, that group won't be laughing anymore when they see Jesus face-to-face and realise for the first time He actually is God. At the end of history, one of those two groups are going to be very embarrassed. And guys, if if you're in the group that rejects Jesus and one day realises that he's actually the truth, that's going to be a bad day. It's going to be too late to turn back to him on that day. Guys, you need to know... If Jesus is legit and one day he returns as a judge of the world, you need to know that today is the day to come back to him. Now is the time to come back because then it will be too late. Now, I don't know which of those two groups you sit in, but you better be sure you're in the right one. You better be confident in your decision. I'm confident. I know who Jesus is. My question is, do you know who this man is, Jesus? Have you made a proper decision? Because, guys, for those of you who have decided to follow Jesus, being a Christian is hard. It can feel like you're wasting your life now. There's things about it that are genuinely hard. I'm not trying to trick you into becoming a Christian because it makes life easy. It doesn't. It's hard. But, guys, let me tell you this. You won't have been in heaven for 30 seconds before you realise it was worth it. 
At that point, no sacrifice will have been too big, no struggle with sin will have been too hard, it will be worth it a million times over, 30 seconds into heaven, you'll be like, I'm so glad I made the decision to follow Jesus. On that day, one of these two groups is going to be pretty embarrassed. Which one is it? Here's the second and last thing I want us to see in this passage, and it's this. I want you guys to see Jesus revealed for who he is. See Jesus revealed as the King and the Saviour. Look at the passage with me. Look at verse 33. Here's the record of what happened on that day. Verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. We can kind of gloss past that. Did you catch that? From 12 midday till 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the sun went dark. You might have seen an eclipse, like a solar eclipse, where it's dark for like a few minutes. Three hours, the sun was out. You know when Cyclone Debbie kind of like rolls across Australia and everyone's talking about it because it's a big deal and it's kind of happening up in the sky and everyone realises it's there? The sky going black for three hours would would have caused a stir in Jerusalem that day. You can just imagine the people who are mocking and laughing at Jesus starting to kind of take a little bit of a step back and go, whoa, the sky is going black. I really hope I wasn't wrong about this Jesus guy that we all laughed at because he said he was God. I hope I wasn't wrong. And then imagine you see this happen. Look at verse 34. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sakbathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries out, Father, why? Why have you abandoned me? Now, what's Jesus talking about there? Why is he crying out to God like that? Well, he's talking about the cup. The cup that we talked about last week. The cup filled with the wrath, the anger of God at our sin. And on the cross, Jesus is he's drinking that cup. He's bearing God's anger for sin. And in that moment, he feels forsaken by God, abandoned by God, as he carries the guilt of the world and all of its sin. And so, guys, here you can see Jesus revealed for who he is. He's the saviour of the world, the only hope for the world. You've got to get this, either he drinks the cup or you will drink the cup filled with the anger of God. Either he's abandoned by God, forsaken by God, or you will be abandoned and forsaken by God. It's him or it's you. He's the only way, the saviour of the world. You can see what his death does in verse 37, check it out. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last breath. Last breath rattles out of his body. Verse 38, the, temp- the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. As Jesus breathed his last breath, as it rattled out of his body, this happened. That's just a drawing, right? That's a picture of the curtain in the temple being torn. Now, you may have no idea what I'm talking about here, but you need to know this. Jesus was killed outside the city of Jerusalem. In a real time, in a real place in history, Jesus was killed outside the city of Jerusalem. But in the city of Jerusalem was a temple. And in that temple was a curtain that separated out the kind of the rest of the temple from the special place where God's presence lived. And at the moment that Jesus died, as he breathed his last breath, this passage says that it was almost as if God himself 
ripped open this curtain that for hundreds of years had been the barrier between God and his people. From top to bottom, it was ripped open. Has anyone here heard of the Berlin Wall? Not many of you may have, but yeah, okay, oh, you're doing pretty good. Okay, between 1961 and 1989, there was this massive wall that ran through the middle of the main capital city of Germany, Berlin, right? And it separated east from west Berlin. So for like 30 years, like the whole time I've been alive kind of thing, there's this wall that separates this country, a little bit like the wall that Trump wants to build between Mexico and America kind of thing, right? This big wall keeping this country divided, In 1989, something hectic happened. After 30 years of separation, Germany was reunited. They brought that sucker down. They bashed it down. They cut it to pieces. They pulled it down. And so what you end up with is soldiers on one side and other people on the other side, and everyone's just cheering because they've been brought back together as a nation. People are giving each other high fives in the street and climbing all over the wall. They're just loving it because after 30 years of this barrier between them, They were brought back together as a nation. It was a big deal, but you probably don't care because you weren't born yet, but it was a big deal. When Jesus died on the cross, the dividing wall between us and God was torn down. Once and for all, brought down, ripped apart. The sin that had separated us from God had been paid for by Jesus on the cross, so it was done. And here's what that means. What that meant is there's no need for a temple anymore. You don't need a temple where God can live and go there to worship Him because now, as Christians, we are the temple. In fact, God, by His Holy Spirit, comes and lives in His people. So if you're a Christian now, you don't go to a temple, you know this, that God lives in you by His Holy Spirit. And so that was the beginning of some big changes that day. As Jesus died on the cross, all this hectic stuff was going down. So many people missed what was going on. But one guy seems to get it. Look at verse 39. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Surely this guy really is the king, the saviour, the son of God. When everyone else around him seems to be missing it, he seems to get it. Now, guys, here's my question for you tonight. Are you going to get it or are you going to miss it? Do you see who Jesus really is? He's the saviour of the world. He's the only way to be right with God. He pays for your sins so that you don't have to. That's the claim of the Bible, that he's the saviour. Imagine one day you meet God finally. You've died or Jesus has come back and you meet God and, and, and he says to you, why should I let you into heaven? Why should I let you come and be here with me? At that point, what answer could you give? You know, if he yelled out, but what answer could you give at that point? The only answer you could give is this. I don't deserve to come in because of my sin. I don't deserve it. But Jesus died so I could be forgiven. You're trusting him. Is Jesus your saviour? That is the most important question anyone could ever answer. Is Jesus not the saviour, but is he your saviour? 
If tonight, as you think about our question, you're not sure, can I say that could change tonight? Come to him tonight. Pray to him and say, God, please have me back because of Jesus. And he will. You could go home tonight certain, sure that you are forgiven by God. You could go home tonight like that. Come back to him. Trust in Jesus. But here's the second thing, guys. Is Jesus your saviour? Is Jesus your king? Is he actually your king? Because here's the thing you've got to get from this passage. You've got to have him as both. You can't pick and choose. You can't have one without the other. You can't be like, I'd like a little bit of saviour because I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want someone else running my life, so I don't want a king. Nah. You've got to choose. You've got to have him as your saviour and your king or not at all. That's his terms. Jesus isn't just some sucker who came to die for you so you can get let off the hook and go on living your life without regard to God. He's actually the king of the world. And he comes as your king and he dies on the cross to rescue you and he says, come and follow me now as your king. I died to save you. Hand your life over to me. And so is Jesus your king? Now, what does it look like to have Jesus as your king? Well, guys, you've got to know, it actually changes everything. You start by looking at God's word and listening to what your king would say to you and listening to how he would have you live your life. So you don't go through life going, what do I want in life? How do I want to do it? What's my next thing? You go, what does God want from me? What does his word say about how I should live? I'm going to listen to that and I'm going to go ahead and obey him. And so that he, come, he comes in control of everything. What do you do with your money? What do you do with your sexuality? What do you do with your time? What do you do with your friendships, your hobbies? What movies and games will you or won't you play? Will you obey the law or won't you? Is speeding just going to be a thing you just kind of keep on doing? Are you going to keep on downloading pirated movies and just do whatever you want? Or will you have Jesus shape your life from now on? Have him rule your life as the king? That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And so is Jesus your king? You might have walked in tonight going, yeah, I'm a Christian, I love this Christian stuff, blah, blah, blah. But you know that there's certain parts of your life that you will not let Jesus near. You're happy for him to influence some parts of it. You'll let him have your Friday nights when you come to youth and, I don't know, make you behave in front of your parents, but he can't have it all. That's not how it works. If you want Jesus as your saviour, you've got to be willing to follow him as your king. Let him run everything. It doesn't mean now suddenly that we're saved by what we do and how we live. We're saved by Jesus, but the one who saves us is the king. Guys, have you been mucking around with Jesus? If that's you, you've got to realise, you've got to come back to him tonight. Come back to him on his terms, as the king. It's the only response to Jesus. Hand him control of all of your life, even the little bits you want to keep to yourself. Guys, we're going to talk more about that in a bit when we split up. We'll have discussion groups for juniors. We'll have um, disciple time for seniors. We can talk more about this stuff then. But what I want to do now is I want to pray and I want to lead us in a prayer of repentance where we actually say sorry to God. Um, And so join me. If you're someone who realises that 
there's been little parts of your life that you've kept away from Jesus and you want to repent of that, then pray with me in that. If you're somebody who wants to put your trust in Jesus for the first time, you can pray with me in that as well. But I'm going to pray. Let's do that together. Father God, thank you for this incredible picture of who the Lord Jesus is tonight. God, we want to declare that he is the saviour and the king. And for some of us, Lord, we might have known who Jesus was and known that he's the saviour, but we've been holding back. There's been stuff that we've kept you from in our life. And tonight we want to say sorry for that. We want to hand Jesus control of all of our lives. Repent for the times that we failed to do that. And we want to keep trusting him as the one who forgives our sins. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.